This is the Windy City Biz Podcast with your host, Michelle Sherritt. On this podcast, we will be interviewing local Chicagoland business owners to discuss many topics. Discussions on how to start a business, keep it going, and thrive for the future. Learn through fun and engaging conversations with local business owners. We help support local Chicagoland business owners, one business at a time. Welcome everyone to the Windy City Biz Podcast, where we talk about everything business with local Chicagoland business owners. I am your host, Michelle Sherritt. Today we have a very special guest on, Andrew Eichner, equity partner at Burger Schatz Law, located in Chicago, Illinois. We're so glad to have you on today, Drew. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Really happy to help out and share some information with everyone. Well, thank you for being here and taking the time out of your day to do this. Now, Andrew, before we get started today, can you tell us first of all, what does it mean to be an equity partner in a law firm? An equity partner in a law firm generally means that you own a percentage of the law firm and share in the profits and losses, uh, presumably, hopefully profits uh, in accordance with the, your share of ownership, which is generally based on a variety of factors, primarily how much business you bring in in relation to the whole. So if you bring in 5% of the firm's revenues, you may own 5% of the profits. I mean, that's a very general statement, but it's generally the way it works. Okay. So you're an owner, you're an owner, part owner. Okay. And how did you become an equity partner at Berger Schatz Law? Well, I started out as an associate uh, a long time ago in a land far away. And uh, over time, my book of business grew. My expertise in the area of family law grew, which is what Berger Schatz does exclusively. And uh, when my book of business hit a certain point, and I'd been at the firm a certain number of years, uh, I was asked to become a uh, equity partner. And that's generally the way it works. Uh, it's usually a combination of length of time practicing law slash length of time at the firm slash uh, revenues generated uh, and quality of work, obviously. So what, what exactly, um, what types of law do you folks practice at Burger Schatz? Well, we you know, people call it family law, people call it matrimonial law, people call it divorce. Uh, we at the firm and most divorce practitioners call it ourselves divorce lawyers amongst ourselves. We do dissolution of marriage actions, which is divorce, which involves uh, determination of property issues, maintenance and child support issues, and custody and parenting issues. Uh, in the, uh, and we do those pre-decree up to a divorce, and then we do post-decree matters, which is after you're divorced, enforcing the judgment, modifying the judgment, seeking more child support, more or less parenting time. We do uh, uh, a limited amount of adoption, gestational work, mm -hmm. uh, prenuptial agreements, which we do, you know, we do quite a few of those, premarital agreements, which are sort of the same thing. Postnuptial agreements, which are agreements after the marriage that fix parties' rights to certain property and maintenance awards. And we do appellate work. And obviously within uh, the pre-decree marriage work, we do obviously uh, same-sex marriages and 
deal with LGBTQ issues. Okay. And what got you into this type of law? Because there's several different types of law. What interested you in this type? Well, I started out uh, in commercial litigation for a large law firm. Uh, and I was there about two and a half years. And it was really boring, to be honest with you. You spent your time in those big firms in those days and still today in a library, researching, writing memos. Everything was done by committee. Even a simple one-sentence appellate motion for continuance had to go through two or three people. And my best friend uh, at the time was working for his father doing divorce, this uh, that firm no longer exists. And he was in court dealing with people and seemed much more interesting, fast-paced. And uh, I made a switch. I just couldn't handle it was a, a big cut in pay initially, but I, I just couldn't handle the uh, just sitting there. I couldn't see doing that for a long period of time. And what I thought would happen, happened. Mm -hmm. It was a different type of practice, more people-oriented. Cases have a beginning, middle, and end. Sometimes big litigation just has a massive middle. You could work on a case for six years and it never gets done. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, being an equity partner, you stated that you have a stake in the firm as well. And being at a major law firm here in Chicago, I imagine that you still have to prospect and network to find new business. Um, what approaches in your 35 plus years of doing this have you found to be most successful when it comes to prospecting? Uh, there's a, a variety of methods that have been successful. The first, and I, it may sound kind of... Uh, cute or trite is to really be a good lawyer, okay? Mm -hmm. Without that, all else, generally all else is meaningless because you could get a case, but if you do bad, okay, or poorly, you will probably not get another case from that source. And the more you don't get cases from sources you have, the less business you'll bring in. So be a good lawyer, okay? Uh, and if you're a younger lawyer, work for somebody in the firm who has their own book of business uh, that can transition to you. I mean, I can't tell you how many cases I got over time uh, working on another partner's client because I was a young associate or an associate. And when that client came back to the firm a year later, he, he or she would call me because I had worked on the case. I was the face of the client. Or when that person had a case to refer, they would refer it to me. And so that is a, a big way to build the book of business, uh, particularly in a case in a area of law like family law where the client is an individual. Uh, networking is incredibly important. Face-to-face um, uh, -face networking, at least again, in, you know, I, I started out when there wasn't, you know, the digital age and I'm, but I still think in a, particularly in a field where, again, you're dealing with individuals and personal lives. Uh, it's always good to be there face-to-face -face or somehow meet them or even the referral source face-to-face. -face. If I'm referring a family law case to somebody, I want a, somebody to a family lawyer. It's much more compelling that I've met him. He's a great guy, a great woman. He's smart, sharp. This is what he does. I met him at a seminar, I met him at a party, uh, as opposed to, well, just go on the website and take a look at the guy, okay? I think that's important, and I think 
you know, a lot of uh, seminars now and speeches are online and particularly during the time of COVID. And I understand all that and, you know, do not ignore that. But whenever there's an opportunity for face-to-face -face contact in a social setting, is, I can't tell you how many times uh, charity events, uh, social events, that I get invited to, that I contribute to, the firm contributes to on my behalf, on, on the firm's behalf, that I've ha handed out my card, so to speak, uh, my, now, uh, and got cases that way. Uh, in the neighborhood, I find, you know, I live in Highland Park on the North Shore, and uh, I had, uh, I have four boys, okay? okay? They're all adults now, but when they were kids, going to the soccer games, lacrosse games, karate, uh, play, school plays, PTA meetings, and sitting with moms and dads, and a lot of times moms, because I took a, a very active role in my kids' lives, was a way to network face-to-face. -face. Very valuable in your community. There's, you don't have to necessarily be on a committee in the community. You have to be involved in your kids' lives if you have kids. That's a really great way to network. Those are some of the key ways, obviously, writing articles, giving speeches, appearing on the Windy City podcast are ways to also uh, extend the brand. Well, as you know, we have five networking groups and we always we try to do natural networking and we try to do in-person events. Mm -hmm. um, and we always say that too: just be natural, just be yourself. Don't go to our networking events trying to sell yourself and sell what you do because it doesn't work. The best thing to do is just come as yourself and be natural and relaxed and just have conversations and get to know people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mention what I do, okay? But then I talk about something else, okay? You know, in a, in a networking event, you know, movie I saw, series, you know, you yeah. wanna make people, it is really hard to refer to somebody who's cold and impersonal, who you don't feel you have some kind of connection with, you know, absent you getting to, you know, like, you know, a Supreme Court, you know, not not now, but some incredibly well-known lawyer in the country, uh, divorce lawyers, there's a firms that are well-known, but individuals, it's really making that individual contact. There's no substitute for it. And unfortunately it's, that's been minimized and so, I think the ones who have a, a head start are the ones that still try to do it, even in the community, even with a mask on, if, if need be. Yeah, I would imagine, I mean, the type of law that you folks deal with is very personal. I mean, it's your children's custody, it's divorces, it's property. People are trust entrusting us, mm -hmm. me, with their most valuable assets, their kids. Mm -hmm. If they don't have kids, their homes, their businesses. Uh, and they share with us, you'd be surprised, their most intimate details of the, their lives. It's much more easier to do that if the person referring you, referring them to me has met with me and can tell something about me to them, or if I've met, or if they've seen me in a venue where they feel comfortable and I feel comfortable and they see that I'm a intelligent, you know, and, and a smart human being and, and, and a regular human being or a, a good guy. It's just very important, I, you know, in our field more than almost any other field. You know, if you have a corporate client, it isn't, I mean, you want them to be intelligent and uh, personable, but it is not 
a premium is not put on the things that are in a divorce law setting that you would look for in a lawyer. So the networking that we do is uh, a little different than those that in other areas of the law. You find that people are intimidated by lawyers? Uh, yes, uh, un unnecessarily so. They, uh, they think we have some bodies of knowledge or the inside track on things. Uh, intimidated and in our area, again, hesitant initially to see us, okay? Uh, and uh, that bleeds into the intimidation factor. But I also think that uh, people are very, in a divorce context, and again, that's the one I'm talking here, and it may be different in other areas, people hear things in cocktail conversation from a, a lawyer that may or may not be true, Okay, and but they take it as true. And part of our job when I see somebody in initial consultation is to dispel uh, commonly held misconceptions. So uh, that have sometimes been embedded in their consciousness by lawyers who by hearing something from a lawyer and being intimidated and assuming it's true. What is your approach? It sounds like um, you try to relate to your clients and try to set them at ease when they come in. But what other approaches do you do or techniques to set your client's mind at ease when they come in? Maybe they're intimidated because they're seeing a lawyer because of a divorce situation or a property situation that's come up. What is your approach to set their mind at ease and just have them relax and just go through the process? Well, it's that's a very difficult uh, task because they come in incredibly stressed. First of all, I do try to, you know, I have pictures of my office. I try to find something when in the initial discussion that we may have in common or that, you know, do they play golf? Do they have, have boys that did this? Do they live here? Do they have this interest in books? I mean, I, my office is not like the normal lawyer's office. I have tons of books. I had some golf equipment, just things, some pictures of film stars, trying to make it a little different to distinguish myself, put people at ease. I really tell people, uh, and it's hard to prove this, that I'm not going to BS them. I'm going to tell them what's going to happen. They may not like that. And you may want to go to a lawyer that tells you what you hear, but I think it's really important and I tell them, if somebody tells you something substantially different than me, when you go to see another lawyer, check your fingers, make sure you have all your rings and jewelry because they're not telling you the truth. I usually go give people 40 yard line advice. I try to tell them honestly how long it will take, how much it will cost. OK, you know, I don't want to, have, you know, I don't like to spring surprises on them. Again, I always the caveat is based on what they've told me. I really stress to being cost effective, mm -hmm. okay? That's a real, you know, we have a joke in the legal profession, the highest and best use of money is uh, to pay your divorce lawyer, but really that's not really the highest and best use of your money. Um, so I try to be stressed cost effective. We can take this approach and this may take more money and more time. I'll do what you want me to do as long as it's not in unethical or illegal, but rest advised at my hourly rate, it's gonna run up a substantial bill. and that. 
you know, I'm not getting with you. I don't want to do this. Is It's not that much fun that I want to do for free. I used to say, I'd rather play golf than work for free. Yeah. So I, you know, I try to be conversational, explain things in simple terms, mm-hmm. not intimidating fashion and telling the truth. And, but that's really hard because no lawyer sits down and says, I'm going to lie to you. Okay. Right. But, uh, um, it, but I, you know, it's a combination of factors that try to put people at ease. And those are some of them. Plus the fact that I, you know, we have a, a large firm, we have 35 lawyers just doing divorce, which is one of the largest in the country. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're one of the quote premier law firms in the city and the country just doing family law. So we're a large law firm for a family law firm, but not a large law firm compared to some of the mega firms. But I think that provides a sense of security to somebody as well. Uh, it's not just this one guy or get woman who's if, if she's sick or on vacation, I'm going to be out. And I always say I have 34 other lawyers to draw on their experience with a particular judge and a particular opposing counsel that if I haven't had, they've had. And that also provides a sense of hopefully security. Definitely. So you talked about being a good lawyer builds good mm-hmm. relationships with your clients um, being honest with your clients and telling them exactly what's going to happen really helps as well. Um, are there any other techniques that you could share with our audience in general on how to cultivate relationships and grow your accounts? Uh, well, one thing we like to say in our firm, and I, but I, I think it would apply to all areas of the law is, uh, demonstrate empathy. Okay. That doesn't, I mean, uh, to try to, you know, what empathetic means is try to, I think, to feel what they're feeling, to understand their feelings, to sympathize with their feelings, to try to work with their feelings and not dismiss them, because it's a very emotional time in our field. And empathy is very important. You don't want to be somebody cold and calculating. It, you know, I'm not suggesting it, but I went through a divorce and I had custody issue so to speak although worked out fine and amicably and that almost in every interview I've ever had I've disclosed that that I have four boys I went through this I understand what's going through believe me I understand you know well what what you're going through I say I had a really bad marriage but a good divorce um and I explain how there's life after divorce um which people are very afraid of uh, you know, I think that's an important aspect of business development. Um, speaking to other lawyers is important in other fields of law. I mean, it, I, we, a lot of lawyers in divorce speak to other lawyers in divorce. I don't, you know, that's admirable, but I don't necessarily think that's a way to cultivate business. You want to talk to somebody who does antitrust law or communications law or libel law or some PI who, when they get a divorce, will think about, think about you. We also like to cultivate experts. Um, we deal with in our we, business valuation, home appraisals, psychiatric evaluation, psychological evaluations, oh, wow. you know, any, anything that has value uh, mm-hmm. or may have value, uh, account, you know, accountants to do uh, 
forensic analysis, uh, talking to them, cultivating them uh, is important. Inviting them out to a social event uh, or putting them in a case, okay? And then they'll return the favor. It's all kind of networking, getting together. I find I've, I've, had, I've done so well uh, on golf outings, okay? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, everybody wants to, there's nobody that's not in a good mood when they're out playing golf in the summer. And that could be tennis and it could be pickleball. I'm just, that's, that's what my sport. There's nobody that's not in a good mood. And I, there's nobody that's, uh, there's no place better to what we call schmooze. I mean, just talk. You don't have to, you know, and if you're a decent golfer and you have etiquette, if you're a decent tennis player and you have etiquette, that's a great way to network. I mean, my son is just starting out doing in a consulting business field in Washington, and he was invited because he plays golf with a partner to a golf tournament uh, for charity. And I said, you know, you're the only one in the firm that's getting this opportunity uh, because you're, you know, just so happens. Okay. Make the most of it. Yeah. networking with your own boss okay which is important but he's putting you in touch in the foursome with two other people so i think you know find something you're good at and try to move through this community doing that sprinkling uh business dust where you go that's great advice drew really good advice for any yeah, no, type it, of it works i mean it's practical I mean, you can only write so many articles, okay? And that only so many people are going to read it. But over the course of a lifetime or, a, you know, business development portion of your career, you know, you've got to tap into all these things. There's not one solution. There's many solutions. And one alone is not going to be enough. Oh, if, you don't leave your, if you don't leave your house, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> um, as we close out here, if you could your younger self any career advice what would that be um that's a really good question uh, <laughs> i would say that uh to do all the things i just test i just testified i just told you about but in hyperdrive i might have been even more successful i would have Strive for no matter what uh, a work-life balance, which is something our firm does promote. You cannot do the stressful kind of work I do and not be able to leave it at the door when you walk in and enjoy your family. Yeah. They, they grow, they, you know, it's like they say, they grow up fast and it goes away. And I long for the days where I went to a lacrosse game or a karate tournament with my kids. That would be a huge piece of advice. I think I did pretty well on that. Uh, and, you know, I think I, I've done all the things I told you to do and I, you know, do them a little bit more. Uh, and also relax, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I would tell myself, do not stress, I, you know, one of the things about business development is, you know, it's like a shark. It's like Woody Allen says, it's a, you know, relationships like a shark. If it doesn't keep moving, it dies. Same yes. with business development. If it doesn't keep moving, if you don't keep looking and going, you know, it dries up. Okay. And that is uh, stressful. 
Because in divorce, it's one and done, we call it. You have a case, it's resolved. Generally, they don't come back. Sometimes they do for the second marriage or prenup or post-decree, but you're always on the move and looking for the next client. And that is very stressful. And I would tell myself, do not stress about that, which is easier said than done. (laughs) Lead a less stressful life. Well, that is great advice. Um, I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners today, as well as our special guest and good friend, Drew. Drew's company, again, is called Burger Schatz Law, located in Chicago. To reach Drew, please visit their website at burgerschatz.com. We'll also provide the information below. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on future talks. Also, like, share, and comment below to keep the conversation going. Thank you again, Drew, for being here today with us. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. I hope somebody somewhere can get a few nuggets out of this. And consistent with what I've told you, we also have offices in Lake Forest for our North Shore clientele because uh, we practice a lot in Lake County. That's where I live, in fact. But again, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Windy City Biz Podcast today. To help support, please like, share, comment, and of course, subscribe. To learn more about our Windy City Biz Networking Group, future networking opportunities, or to become a member, please visit us at WindyCityBiz.net. Thank you again for your continued support.